So continuing with our Spider-Man series leading up to No Way Home, today I'm going to be discussing The Amazing Spider-Man 2, so stay tuned for my spoiler-filled thoughts. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was once again directed by Mark Webb and stars Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, Dane DeHaan, Felicity Jones, Sally and Sally Field, and Paul Giamatti. It's great to be Spider-Man. For Peter Parker, there's no feeling quite like swinging between skyscrapers, embracing being the hero, and spending time with Gwen. But being Spider-Man comes at a price. Only Spider-Man can protect his fellow New Yorkers from the formidable villains that threaten the city. With the emergence of Electro, Peter must confront a foe far more powerful than himself, and his old friend Harry Osborn returns, Peter comes to realize that all of his enemies have one thing in common. Oscorp. Hey everyone, welcome back to another review, and today I'm continuing my Spider-Man series and reviewing The Amazing Spider-Man 2, as I've already mentioned. This is going to be a spoiler review, I have a lot of thoughts about this movie, so I tried to condense it as much as possible, because I don't think anyone really wants to watch a, like a two-hour, a one-hour review for a seven-year-old film, especially a film that I think universally has a pretty... There's definitely a consensus about what people feel about this movie, in my opinion. Again, spoilers. So, I'm not going to waste any more time. Obviously, we're continuing our journey into No Way Hope. I'm still on the fence about whether to talk about the Tom Holland movies that have been released up to this point. Homecoming and Far From Home again. So, if you do see that, that will be in the next few days. But I'm not sure if I want to talk about those movies again just yet. With that said, let's not waste any more time and get started. So... Let's get started talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And this film is an example, starting right off and getting right into it. This movie is one of those examples, just like Spider-Man 3, which I think I probably talked about in my review. Oh, that was a couple of months ago. It's another example of studio interference completely ruining, or at least taking a movie down multiple notches. Sony clearly wanted Mark Webb's Spider-Man movies to spin off into its own Amazing Spider-Man universe because this was the Amazing Spider-Man released just a few months after the Avengers. So by then, they knew the cinematic universe formula worked and they wanted to go ahead with their own. And because of the studio meddling, this film is just packed with way too much stuff. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is easily one of if not the most convoluted comic book movie ever made i'm not gonna definitely say it is but it certainly is up there with others like bvs or maybe at least the theatrical cut and this film is just there's there's way too packed and there isn't enough time for us to care about a lot of things despite being such a long movie which i'll get into a bit later. So this film, there's obviously clear, I'm, I'm going to start off with the bad because there's just way too many of them and I need to get through them. There's obviously, I'm going to get right into this, this set up in here for a Sinister Six movie. There's Vulture Wings, the Rhino appears for 10 seconds, and the Green Goblin is introduced, just tacked in there, which I'll get into a bit later. And, you know, there's even like Doc Ock's arms, a tease of that. Plot lines just disappear for, for future setup. Like at the end of the movie, Harry just his um 
his what Osborne disease or whatever just comes and goes and apparently just disappears by the end because they need him for a Sinister Six movie and nothing so much just doesn't make any sense. And even some things about Electro's powers, what he's able to do, what he's not able to do, just don't add up. And that let's get on to the first big thing about this movie that I think some of the writers may have come up with themselves, and that is that this movie has terrible villains all around. So obviously we have Electro played by Jamie Foxx, a very talented actor, great actor. So many great performances from him. My, my favorite probably being his performance from Collateral. Great movie, you've never seen it. And Electro in this film. Electro, I've always thought to be a very different character than the one presented here. He's never been my favorite Spider-Man villain or anything, but I've always thought he looked cool. In this movie, they decided to make him blue. And the look, I just don't buy. It just doesn't work for me inside this universe at all. But even the way they characterize him, the way he, his relationship forms with Spider-Man, and even just how, you know, like how Spider-Man forgets his name, and that's when he gets really upset, and also because it takes a, attention away from him. It just, the way that scene plays out in Times Square, although a cool action scene, which I'll also talk about later, I just didn't like the way they set up their relationship. And I don't think that Max Dillon really got had enough likes to stand on this movie as his own villain and I just didn't feel like he was enough of a force even though the synopsis of this movie describes him as like more powerful than Spider-Man could ever be or whatever. So I'm not a fan of Electro in this movie. I'm not a fan of how they characterized him or how his power set and look and how all that. Then we have Paul Giamatti as the Rhino and he obviously appears in the movie at the end for 10 seconds in an admittedly pretty cool final shot. But his character in the opening scene is so annoying that I can't even enjoy the opening scene. It's just an action scene because he's so obnoxious and over the top. And Spider-Man is just quipping the entire time instead of saving people. He's just wasting his time interacting with this, you know, criminal. And it just takes away from every scene. It just pulls you out of it in the opening scene. And then we have Harry Osborn as the Green Goblin. And I'll talk a bit more about him a bit later. But he's just, I just don't enjoy Dane DeHaan's portrayal of Harry Osborn. And I just didn't buy that these two friends, Peter and Harry, were even friends. And that's the first thing you have to get right when it comes to those two, if you're going to do them in a movie. And I did not buy into it whatsoever. And even him as the Goblin looks terrible. I didn't like what they did with him. I don't like the transformation scene. It just looks odd. And even the third act, man, I'm just not a fan of Dane DeHaan's Green Goblin. It, I liked the emotional impact it had for Peter, but we just never have enough time to go into that because he's tacked on so late into the movie. And with that said, let's move on to the villains because I could honestly talk about them all day. Now, with that said, though, there are a few things which I guess I can mention kind of positive about this. Andrew Garfield, I think, is still doing a good job for what Mark Webb wants for this character. Again, not fully what I would agree with, but it does work. And Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, I still like. I think they work good together for the most part. I like the emotion that comes out of Gwen's death, but again, it just feels so tacked on. The opening scene, I like the web swinging. It looks really cool. I love the suit of this movie. Maybe the best live-action Spider-Man suit. 
And in the opening scene, we watch, and I was like, wow, is this movie better than I remember? And instantly, as soon as Paul Giamatti comes on screen and just that nonsense, it instantly falls off. But the last thing I'll say, and by the last positive I can say about this movie, is that some of the action is cool, like the Times Square scene. It can be very stupid at points, but there's some cool shots and stunts, and I appreciate that. And that's really all positives, at least worthy enough to be mentioned, that I can really talk about when it comes to this. So this movie easily has the most inconsistent tone out of any Spider-Man movie. Yes, that is including Spider-Man 3. We have such campy and over-the-top villains when it comes to Rhino and Electro. Along with this, we're having very emotional character moments like the relationship between Gwen and Peter and Gwen's death, especially near the end. And that comes at the hands of a villain who you're just laughing at because he looks so bad. And the tone, the tonal mashups for me in this movie do not work. Like there are sequences where we have Peter, there's a Spider-Man montage. And the next scene, he's kind of very down and kind of depressed over thinking about, you know, his friend Harry and that plot line, which is utterly ridiculous, and I hate it. Just the mix of tones here in this movie don't work. And man, when I rewatched this again a month or two back, the runtime is killer. It just goes on and on, and I get it. I even mentioned earlier, there's way too much going on. It's overly convoluted, but even then... Nothing gets developed enough, and nothing is interesting enough to keep me engaged. Well, there are a few things, but the majority of it is so boring. And part of that, I think, carries all over from the previous movie, where I was talking about how the visual style just had absolutely no flair. And it just didn't... And because of this, the long runtime and just the, the terrible villains just make for such a painful watch to me it's so long and convoluted i mean again let's talk about this the the storyline involving peter parker's parents is just so unnecessary to me like i get the the idea of making peter parker peter parker's dad uh richard parker the idea of making him the guy who created the the radioactive spider and he the spider could have only bitten Peter. To me, that plot line just was just distasteful to me as a Spider-Man fan because I would say the movie, if you want to see an example of what I think Spider-Man could, should be and what makes Peter Parker so special, I think the best example of this would be Spider-Verse, but except, with, with, except it does it with Miles Morales. The main message of that movie is that anyone can be Spider-Man. Like, it's, I think, the last line said in the movie, and it's so important. It's so important to Miles' journey and how it incorporates him just using, like, a homemade cheap suit. So important to that movie. This movie kind of just retcons that side of the character by making Peter Parker's parents such a big deal in the creation of Spider-Man and even the villains of this movie. And, and it's, it just, it completely takes away what makes Spider-Man special to me. And I just don't think that, like, the idea of Peter Parker is that any kid could have been that guy who came across the radioactive spider and got, and got bitten. And we relate to the character because he's a human being who just, 
He's a normal teenager, a very dorky one who got these powers. But the idea that he was chosen to an extent just doesn't sit right with me at all. And I am unwilling to accept it with the way they handled it in this film. And the goblin plotline about Harry Osborn getting sick and wanting to get Spider-Man's blood as a cure. And even Peter's response to me just didn't quite add up. But the main issue here is that it's so... The introduction of the Goblin almost feels like it was just set up for a sequel. And their original plan was just to have Green Goblin be in The Amazing Spider-Man 3, which... Oh God, please no. But they kind of just shoehorned it into the end of this movie. But even beyond that, they shoehorned in such a way where they had such a big character moment in Gwen's death, which, by the way, I, I, meant, I kind of hinted at this a bit earlier, but my, to me, the, Gwen Stacy, I mean, if you ever have her in a Spider-Man movie, you know she's not going to make it out of the franchise alive. We know that she's never going to you know, be the woman that Peter Parker settles with you know, permanently because we know, you know she suffers a very devastating fate, and that's really important to Peter's arc in the comics especially because this storyline has been around since the early 70s or I guess maybe the late 70s and I even reread it recently and it's still great it still works but in this movie it feels so out of place it feels like it just comes at the end I don't think what this movie set up really led to that and it even it even felt like a complete detour and left turn to how emotionally satisfying the writers imagined Gwen and Peter coming back together to me to be and it just doesn't work like it does in the original story and again I'm not a fan of his take on the Green Goblin but even then it just feels like he comes in just for the sake of killing Gwen Stacy to kind of set up Peter's grief and the plot line in the future well, I feel like it might have been better to save this for the next one but then again i'm constantly complaining about the over sequel setup we get in this movie and that's pretty much just the just hard line final thing i have to say it is that this movie is just way too convoluted and messy actually wait before we do get into my final thoughts i do have one last thing which i actually love about this movie and it's by far my favorite thing in the entire movie that is that in the spider-man montage when peter parker helps the kid with the science project that's phenomenal. I want more like that. That's the, actually the last thing I have to say. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just a mess. It's so convoluted with way too many forced plot lines and villains. There are quite a few individual elements or scenes that I love, and some of the performances are still great. And the suit and web swing, swinging is some of the best it's ever been with Spider-Man. But the sheer number of villains and pointless setup bogs down so much of what I enjoy and unfortunately I'm not really a fan of any of the villains even though there's so many of them they're trying to set up it's clear that the writer writers never intended to use any of these characters and or at least all of these characters until Sony mandated it and there are huge chunks of this movie which are extremely boring which is just so weird for a Spider-Man movie and this is again personal but I think hate the emphasis on Peter's poor Peter Parker's parents in, in this movie. I'm gonna give The Amazing Spider-Man 2 a D plus. And yeah, if you're a Spider-Man fan, I'm sure you've seen this. And if you're not, 
just do not see this movie and that's my honest recommendation with that said thank you guys so much for listening i'll catch y'all next time bye bye